This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. You may have caught the news recently that Tumblr is allowing nudity on its platform once again. You, as a content consumer, might be thinking to yourself, what's the big deal? The internet is full of nudity. And you're not wrong, for what is the internet without porn? However, for adult entertainers and artists, finding a home online for their content has historically been a struggle. When Tumblr initially banned nudity in 2018, it forced a lot of creators off the platform and, unsurprisingly, cost Tumblr a 30% dip in page views. So what does Tumblr changing its community guidelines mean not only for adult content creators, but the platform itself? Well, I interviewed Tumblr CEO Matt Mullenweg to find out. This is Creative Control. I'm your host, Casey Finey. Each week, I'll be unpacking the driving forces and people shaping the creator economy and what it all means for its future. So Tumblr launched in 2007, and it didn't take long for the blogging site to catch fire. I feel like you kind of had to be there in its prime because Tumblr really was an outlier among other social platforms. It had this mix of video, text, and GIFs that created this weird artsy utopia. But in 2013, Yahoo acquired Tumblr for $1.1 billion, which of course was great for the platform's founder, David Karp, but many users saw it as the beginning of the end. That sentiment only deepened when Verizon acquired Yahoo in 2017. A year later came the ban on porn and that huge dip in page views. And in 2019, Verizon sold Tumblr to Automatic for just $3 million. It's quite a long ways from $1.1 billion, right? At the helm of Tumblr now is Matt Mullenweg. Matt is probably best known for co-founding WordPress, but his company Automatic has a suite of other companies, including Longreads, which is a site for long-form journalism, the e-commerce platform WooCommerce, and now Tumblr. I wanted to get an understanding of why Matt wanted to buy Tumblr in the first place and what he sees as the future of the platform, especially for adult content creators. I want to start by having you take us back to 2019, which isn't that long ago. It feels weird to say take us back, but I mean, it feels like a lifetime ago because it really does. things <laughs> have happened since then. But of course, that was a year that your company Automatic acquired Tumblr, which was pre- previously owned by Verizon. So leading up to that acquisition, what was your view of Tumblr? I've always loved Tumblr. So I was one of the first, I forget my exact user ID, but like first 100,000 users on the site. I joined it the first year it started. Tumblr and WordPress always had a friendly relationship, and I believe them to be our best competitor. The innovations that came from Tumblr defined how social media works today. They were the first to really incorporate rich media, different formats, um, open syndication. And the best parts of Tumblr were then copied by Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And under the stewardship of Yahoo, Tumblr struggled. You know, um, the founder, David, who's a product genius, David Karp, stayed around for a while, but I feel like the environment was not conducive to creating one of these great social networks like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snap, et cetera, TikTok have become. And so in bringing it back, you know, we had the opportunity to take over stewardship of it. I really do think of it as stewardship. We are preserving and improving Tumblr for generations to come. There's still a 
vibrant community there. And it's different from almost any other community on the internet. It still has a lot of unique functionality. And so we thought that we could take what we're really good at automatic, which is deep technology and infrastructure, you know, just really making things rock solid, super resilient, super fast, super scalable. And, uh, and then finally, you know, allowing Tumblr to be Tumblr, (laughs) be a weird place again, create a non-advertising business model in addition to the advertising business model. So these are all things we wanted to experiment. Funny enough, it's a lot of the things that Elon said he wants to do with Twitter. I can definitely relate. <laughs> like maybe the amount of money we're able to spend is different, but gonna say. A, a lot of things he he wants to do with Twitter, like introduce upgrades, payments, are we're also on a roadmap and things we've also launched for um, for Tumblr over the last few years. That's a slippery slope. Agreeing with Elon, watch yourself. <laughs> but you bring up a really interesting point in saying that Instagram kind of copied the best parts of Tumblr because I feel like some people don't remember how big Tumblr was in a way. Like it was huge. And I think some people may not even think of it in the traditional sense as being part of the creator economy. You know, I guess I'd love it if you can just explain a little bit more like what position, what position did you see Tumblr having in sort of this overall landscape of the creator economy? (laughs) Yeah, well, to set the stage a little bit, and I hope someday there's a book written on this because Tumblr and Instagram were purchased for a similar amount, about a billion dollars each around a similar time. And although Yahoo isn't seen as super hot right now, at the time, Yahoo was a preeminent internet property. They had a ton of traffic, ton of complimentary things, and they were run by Marissa Meyer, who had come to fame in Google. So she had a ton of credibility and experience creating you know, billion user platforms at Google. But it was definitely one of those things where it was not clear what happened happened. You could have easily imagined a world where Yahoo with probably a larger user base and maybe even more money than Facebook at the time, Tumblr could have had a trajectory of what Instagram ended up having over the next five or 10 years. So that's to set the stage of where things were. They were basically kind of neck and neck. And you beautifully laid out Tumblr's ascension, but its downfall really came when it infamously banned porn in 2018. I mean, over time, Tumblr became... I mean, you can go on Tumblr and find what you really want to find. Like, if you really want to find porn, you can find porn. If you didn't, it's okay. There's obviously other content. But obviously, a lot of adult creators really kind of flock to Tumblr to upload their content. And them banning porn in 2018 was a huge blow to the platform. I mean, I think they lost something like 30% of their page views. What was your take on that decision? I think there were two issues. One was actually leading up to what led them to make the ban. That was one mistake. And the second was the execution of the ban. Lots of services don't allow hardcore porn, <laughs> including Facebook and Instagram, and they have you know billion plus users. I'll also say in absolute numbers, I think that Twitter and Reddit have more of that content than Tumblr did in 2018. I think the difference was the non-porn usage of Tumblr had declined quite a bit. So their sort of appeal to regular users they hadn't kept up with the functionality there. And so as a percentage of Tumblr's total uh, user base, that 30% was high, which means they were targeted. So you know, Twitter, like I said, has more in absolute numbers, but as a percentage, it was probably like under 10% or 5%. So they weren't as much of a target for the app stores like Apple. The second thing, and this has been public in the press, is that Tumblr was not doing a great job at policing that content. So in addition to, you know, having legal, totally fine adult content, there was illegal content on there, non-consensual or 
of age that you shouldn't have people, which is super, super serious. And um, so keeping up with that, there's always going to be bad actors on the internet, but you need to respond really quickly. And from what I could tell from the outside, that some of their processes for this were not fast enough. So that's leading up to things. Two, in the execution of the ban, I think they Verizon was so risk-averse. So the way they instituted the ban, I think, just had a lot of bugs. And in fact, when we bought Tumblr, the number one thing I heard was that they were locking out legitimate accounts. Hmm. And an example someone shared with me was someone who got a manicure. They had posted a picture of their hand. And I guess the algorithm thought that was too much skin tone in the picture. <laughs> and so What? Of a hand? What? Oh, yeah, it, it were makes they supposed sense to be, a bad algorithm. Were they supposed to wear like fingerless gloves and just show the nails or something? Like what is too much skin of a hand? All right. I think as, as a percentage of the total image, oh. it was a high percentage of skin tone, which this bad algorithm, by the way, wow. this is an algorithm. Fantastic. Um, nailed it, algorithm. Probably, Absolutely nailed it. Good job, algorithm. But then it gets worse. <laughs> of course it then does. Then the account got locked and they didn't hear back from anyone for months. And so if you imagine how you want to drive people away from a social network, arbitrarily locking their accounts when they did nothing wrong and they're not fixing it within months is a good way to get people to go someplace else, right? Yep, that's a, that's a pretty good recipe for an exodus, yes. <laughs> if you did the first two but fixed it an hour or two later or right. same day, people would forgive you. They probably wouldn't start using something else. <laughs> but right. when you block them for months, they'll be gone. That's crazy. Yeah, it's wild to me. And of course, you know, this kind of brings us to present day where, you know, now on Tumblr, thanks to the new terms of service, you're now allowing some adult content on the site. And, you know, we may now have female presenting nipples again, which is just the infamous quote from the past terms of service, where it was outlining the difference between a man being shirtless on Tumblr versus a woman being shirtless on Tumblr. Just female presenting nipples will never not be hilarious to me. So, <laughs> was this something that was always part of your game plan when you acquired Tumblr? Talk me through what led you to this decision to 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 change Tumblr's terms of service. We believe in two things. One, safety. So we want to make sure that everything's legal and consensual. I guess three things. Two, that people are seeing what they want to see and not seeing what they don't want to see. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And then three, common sense policies. After we bought Tumblr, that the example I love to use is... Um, Almost everyone in the world is familiar with Michelangelo, Michelangelo's Statue of David, mm-hmm. considered one of the great works of humanity. It's an expression of the human form. I don't think I would consider that adult content or sexual content, but it does have nudity. So previously under Tumblr's old rules, you couldn't post <laughs> a picture of the Statue of David. That just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. We've been doing content moderation for a long time across the rest of Automatic. And so we just wanted to bring Tumblr's policies in line with the rest of ours. We couldn't do so until there was a mechanism for community tagging where people could self-tag their content in a smart way. So we rolled out this community labels feature, which allows and puts the burden on people posting things to tag it appropriately. We updated all of like the age gating and age verification and everything like that. And we've now had a while where we've been totally caught up on all supports and uh, sort of safety reports. So we've been able to integrate those teams with the rest of Automatic and put in the machine learning and other things we use, which is really sort of the industry best practices at identifying and responding to illegal content so that we felt good about reintroducing this ability and maintaining a safe, healthy community, which I believe is our responsibility to the internet and the users of Tumblr. Yeah. 
Now, of course, there is some fine print here. Mm-hmm. You know, as I understand it, images are okay, but having any kind of pornographic video is not okay. So walk me through what the fine print is right now, because, you know, it's not full on porn on Tumblr. It's like it was back then. It's some, it's softcore porn. So really, what, what is the fine print here? What we're trying to do in Tumblr is make it the best place on the internet for art and artists and people who love art and artists. What the new guidelines are all about is nudity is okay, but it needs to be appropriately tagged so we can keep it away from kids, comply with Apple's guidelines, all that sort of jazz. And I guess a way to put it, things going in things would not be allowed. That that would be like outside of our guidelines. (laughs) But... Just, I want you, you know, to put that in the figure. community guidelines just as that. <laughs> things shan't go in things on Tumblr. <laughs> I don't personally mind if consenting adults want to share or do these things. Right. But like, just to maintain a clean community, also to comply by particularly Apple App Store guidelines, mm-hmm. that's just not something we can uh, can do. And that's the thing. I think I spend a lot of time thinking about this, just covering the creator economy and covering, honestly, the adult entertainment industry overall. I did this deep dive on OnlyFans, you know, not too long ago. Mm. So I'm aware of some of the issues here. But for those who may not know what the problem is in terms of the Apple Store or payment processing is like a huge issue. So, you know, I guess for... For those who may not be aware, can you just give me a breakdown of why actual adult content can't really be on a platform like Tumblr? So Tumblr's old policy was called show nuts, go nuts, <laughs> which was fun and irreverent and part of like Tumblr's culture. Now, in modern day, businesses need payment processing. So credit card processors, banking services, you just need that to run a business. Financial industry has regulations on adult content, which are pretty strict and threaten a company like ours if Visa or MasterCard were to say, okay, not just Tumblr, but all of Automatic, you're no longer to charge visa cards that would basically put not just tumblr but the 2000 people working on wordpress and woocommerce and day one and pocket cast and all of our other businesses essentially out of business our financial yeah financial and banking regulations are a big dampening force on Mm -hmm. modern businesses or sort of legit businesses being able to do these things the other big one is the apple app store again there's ways to run services without being in the app store. But for us, it would basically be a death blow because a majority of Tumblr's users access it through the Apple application. And Apple has very strict guidelines around accessibility of adult content, both some that everyone would consider reasonable, like blocking it from people under the age of 18. No one really disagrees with that. Maybe people under the age of 18 might, but no no businesses disagree with that. They'll be fine. (laughs) They'll be fine. But two, also just having it accessible to adults. That is pretty tricky. And Apple has a particularly close eye on Tumblr. So when they review things, they're not just like loading the homepage. They're going and looking for stuff. They're searching. They're like going to the tags. So uh, that is a level of scrutiny we have to abide by. The question I always get at this point is like, hey, how did Twitter and Reddit get away with it? It's a great question. I don't know. Chock full. <laughs> I was about to say chock full of nuts. It's chock full of poor. <laughs> I mean, it is. Yeah, I mean, so I would love to hear your theory on why a site like Twitter exists in the App Store, yet it just is bereft with pornography. So what they do that we now also do, which I think is helpful, is there's a setting for your accounts mm-hmm. that by default, everything's blocked, even like relatively sensitive tags that might have legitimate content. You cannot change that setting within the app. 
you need to go to the web version to change that mm -hmm. setting. So we have implemented that as well. And to be honest, since doing that, we've had fewer troubles with the app review process. Now, since making this change, though, I'm very excited. And I've seen a number, you know, you said you're close to sort of the adult and art community. I've seen burlesque artists return to Tumblr, Shabari artists, like a lot of folks who do forms of art, which might be considered adult, but also are just beautiful art forms returning and abiding by our particular terms of service and tagging their content appropriately. And that makes me really happy, especially in New York and audience, which has been a big part of Tumblr's community in the past. And I'm excited that they're able to return and do so in a way that allows us to keep everything safe for Apple, for kids and for advertisers, you know, which are three constituencies which are important to us. This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. You know, I, I'm curious, I mean, what is your broader vision for Tumblr? Because it's a platform that you're honestly, in many ways, bringing back from the dead. It really mm -hmm. was tanking for a while. And I think it seems like this is the first move in what I would imagine maybe there's like a couple down the road to really make Tumblr, oh, Jesus, almost said make Tumblr great again. <laughs> <laughs> Not the phrasing I want to use, but because I can't think of anything else now, that's like just burned into my brain. What is your bigger vision for making Tumblr great again? First, it's to create a social media place on the internet where the driver of engagement is creativity, not outrage, not advertisers. I mean, that's what Tumblr is today, and it's what kept it. I know it lost a lot of its usage, but it had a huge core. It's more than 10 times larger than all these other social networks you're hearing about, Mastodon, Gabs, Parlors, all the other things, sometimes 100 times larger. So that is still the core of Tumblr's community. We want to scale that up. Because I think that's an important part. You know, social media is amazing. It connects you to people. You discover things you haven't seen before. However, I think as that intersects with the sort of surveillance economy and the advertising economy, it's where it can become negative for society and just for people's own mental health. So I want Tumblr to be a place that after you spend time on it, you feel better. You look forward to it in a way that it's not an addiction, but actually something that creatively charges you, drives you. When you think about just kind of competition with other platforms and services out there, like who who's who's in competition with Tumblr? The best way to answer this is that if we do it right, it won't be in competition with others. We'll be the only in our space, the only that combines a unique set of being a great social network, having an amazing mobile app, being where you can just be discovered, where you can want to send you really truly own your audience versus, you know, sort of be mediated by other things and having you know features that might be on coffee or Patreon or one of these link in bio things because we just have so much flexibility. I guess we're competing with the whole internet <laughs> and also we're integrating with it. So you can use any of those services and interlink them with your Tumblr. And that's part of the beauty of being radically open. For those who don't know, Automatic, my company, and WordPress, we're some of the largest modern day proponents of open source. And WordPress itself has been open source for 19 years now. We've been able to create a large business on top of that while maintaining this radical openness where literally you can go down and change every single line of code. So you're really in complete control of the experience if you choose to be. And we'll give you an easy off-the-shelf version where you can just click a few times and you don't have to think about it. And you may have just answered my question, but considering all that we've been talking about and just thinking about as you continue to build this company because it was acquired just not that long ago in 2019, I guess like what are your priorities, short-term goals, long-term goals of building Tumblr? Today, we are dealing with a huge influx of users. 
So it's a good uh, problem to have. <laughs> has, yeah, the world has woken back up the Tumblr. So making sure that everything is super fast, super scalable, as we're you know seeing a doubling of some of our daily metrics has been very exciting. And we want to capitalize on that opportunity. Related to that is getting Tumblr to a, a place of sustainability as a business. So right now, Tumblr is spending a lot more money, costs a lot more money to run than it's bringing in revenue. We need to scale up our relationships with advertisers, our sort of self-serve advertising, which is something new that we've been launching. Tumblr users can click a button and blaze their post, get hundreds of thousands of pages on it for just, you know, 25 bucks or 50 bucks, which is pretty cool. And then finally, we want to create a subscription ecosystem as well, which is kind of how Automatic's other businesses work. So we have a no ads upgrade. We have these fun things like the check marks or gifting crabs or other just kind of fun virtual goods. And we're adding also these kind of subscription features where you can subscribe to creators. My hope is that half or more of Tumblr's revenue can be driven by subscriptions over the next few years. And that would give us a, a really solid and also very user-centric business model versus just being purely an advertising one. Interesting. It's interesting that you say you hope that half of your revenue is going to come from subscriptions because we just did an episode of the podcast where we conducted a Harris poll asking, I wanted to answer this question of where people are in terms of fatigue of paying for things, specifically looking at creator economy platforms, because there's been a lot done about how much people are willing to pay for streaming services and sort of traditional you know, entertainment companies. And I wanted to apply that thinking to paying for Patreon, paying for OnlyFans, paying for Substack. Mm -hmm. And our findings were that, yeah, people are a little tired of paying <laughs> of paying extra money because it's becoming the monthly bill for entertainment is getting ridiculously huge. So how are you thinking about people who are kind of at their limit of spending? I think we're in the golden era. So <laughs> now this broader macroeconomic thing that's going on. So I 100% understand that if, inflation is eating away or gas prices or your jobs at risk, anything like that, probably these entertainment subscriptions are one of the first things to go. What I would encourage people to do is think of their personal entertainment budget, whatever that is. And of course, it's going to change. If you can get half or more of that going directly to creators, it changes the world. What happened before is, let's say your favorite filmmaker or your favorite artist, when you listen to them through a bundle like Spotify or Netflix, they're getting such a small fraction. Because also think about it, you're not paying that much. You're paying like 13 bucks. <laughs> How much is going to go to each of the couple hundred artists you listen to? Also, it's expensive to run these services <laughs> because they need to pay for all the bandwidth and everything like that. So there's just not much left over for the artists. And so... By the time the music labels or the movie studios, whatever, they take all their cuts, it's probably pennies or like single digit percentage that's actually going to the artist that you love and who got you to watch that movie or listen to that song in the first place. Now, these new platforms like Tumblr, like Patreon, like all the creator things that a lot of people are rolling out, typically the creator is getting anywhere from 70 to like 95 or 97% of the money you pay. Mm. So... Just the effect that can have in the artist's lives and enabling them to go from doing it part-time to full-time or full-time to being able to hire other artists or invest more in their shows is nothing like it. <laughs> and so being a patron of the arts, I think should be something every modern day citizen who has the ability to should think about. If you're lucky enough to have the extra budget to do so, you could get that money to another corporate-owned thing. But when you can give it directly to artists, I think you're actually making the world a much better place. Aww. 
that's so sweet, man. <laughs> and I agree. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I do. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I got a chance to talk to you. I really appreciate this conversation. That's going to do it for this episode of Creative Control. As always, make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And make sure you rate and comment as well, because we'd love to hear from you. Fast Company podcasts are produced by Avery Miles, Blake Odom, Matt Toder, and Julia Shu. Editing and sound design is by Nicholas Torres. Our executive producer is Joshua Christensen. Deputy editor David Litsky provided editorial oversight for this episode, as well as senior VP of entertainment Scott Mebus. 